<laughs> hey, 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 you are getting I'm very handsy with my it. situation right now. Hello. She's delicate. She's a lady. Say whoa, something. whoa, whoa. There we go. She's a lady. Okay, you ready? And the lady is mine. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm hey. your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. Me. We're excited for this one. I'm excited for this one. It's going to be a good a episode. Ton. I learned a ton. Oh, good. How is your night going? B, how's your week going? Week. Who fucking knows? I don't even know. Week was fine, I guess. I can't think of anything. Oh, but like really pissed me off. Oh. All right. I had dinner with a client tonight, which was weird. So I've already had a few beverages. Yeah, more so than anything, I guess my biggest complaint since our last episode was that I had just talked about how happy I was cleaning everything. Yeah. And then what happened? I don't know. My kid got fucking sick. Oh, yeah. And unloaded buckets, (laughs) buckets and buckets and buckets of fucking snot all over everything. I swear to God, I talked on our last episode about how I had just cleaned everything. We had all these plans. I was so excited. And then she got a sinus infection that lasted like 10 full days. Yeah. Yeah. You got everything sick. Cootie queen. Yeah. Uh, Because she felt fine. Yeah. So that's the worst case scenario was when they have all the energy in the world. They don't feel sick, but you know they're sick. And they're just fucking spreading snot everywhere. <laughs> you just want to touch anything. She touched everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can you not just sit still? Like, just keep it in one place. Amazing. The amount of toilet paper rolls we went through. Ugh. Ugh. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm happy to be here in our very clean pod shed. Thank you, Lou. Big Daddy Lou came in and cleaned our pod shed. Smells nice. It's got no critters. It's got a broom in it. So we know he did something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I don't have much to talk about over the past two weeks. Um, Always a big thank you for the people who have reached out on Instagram and DM'd me and sent me comments and all that good stuff. I love talking to you guys. It's so fun. I get so excited when I get a... Get when some someone DMs slides on there. In, slides yes. into that DM. So that's exciting. Anyone who left us a, a reviewer rating, thank you so much. We always appreciate it. Um, okay. Do you want me just to jump in to my surprise or do you have a surprise? What are you digging around for? A lighter? I was just digging around. Yeah, I don't have a surprise. Ooh. I have a surprise. Okay. You brought the perfume last week. <gasps> Did you get a sample? I got a sample. I can't wait. Of the queen. So if you guys have been listening to our perfume saga, it's been going on and on and on. If you want to recap, listen to a different episode. But um, we've been trying to smell Baccarat Rouge. I think it's 540. Sure. Sounds um, right. There's supposedly a great dupe for it, Ariana Cloud, which B brought last episode and we decided not a good dupe. So what I do want to say about that. Okay. I don't like the way that it smells on me. Yeah. It's very sweet forward. Can we get the dog to stop barking? I wish. The dog is a paid actor. But the overall smell that lingers behind is very nice. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll smoke in my room. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'll spritz a little bit of it and I'll leave. Because I don't like how sweet forward it is. Mm -hmm. But by the time I circle back around, the combination of that with my weed smoke (laughs) 
okay. is fabulous. Oh, it okay. smells like a luxe hotel lobby because oh. it's not the sweet that stays. The sweet does not linger. Okay. It is more of a like sensual after note. But it's, it's so sweet forward that we were stuck in this pod shed and that's all I could smell. Yeah. But when I woke up the next morning, I was like, I don't hate the way that I smell right now. Yeah. So that's what I found about that. Okay. So there's our official, official. cloud mm-hmm. research. Okay. So I went to, I don't even know what the website is. It gives you very small samples, like too small for even like a sprayer. Oh. And still Baccarat was like $15. Jesus Christ. I but I also got two other samples. I got one by Replica that is um, like Fireside or Firelight yeah. or something. Easily my favorite perfume I've tried in the past year. I'm sure. I absolutely Fire love it. alone in the title. It's smoky and bonfire-y like my last one that I love yeah. so much. But it has a just a hint of toasted marshmallow, which <gasps> as much as we're like, oh, we hate sweet stuff, it's such a good mix because to me marshmallow an actual marshmallow is not sweet when yeah. people talk about marshmallow smell yeah that's sweet but yeah an, like if you go and push your nose against a marshmallow to me that's not like sickeningly sweet versus like a frosted cookie right or like a frosting so it reminds me of our favorite candles that yeah. we love so much so that's my favorite it's been the only one i've worn i have kept myself away from the baccarat um and then I also got a sample because it was very expensive perfume as well. Santal 33. I think I've heard that. Yeah. It's something, something in sandalwood and some other. I don't know what it is. I'll try it next. But right now we're all about one, Baccarat. one at a time for sure. Oh my God. The bag itself is like miniature. It's a fucking drug bag. It's like a dime sack. It's like we bought cocaine. It's for real. For this episode, very appropriate too. It's so perfect. It's the heroin of perfume and it comes in a fucking heroin bag. We are fiending for this smell. (laughs) I'm shaking. I can't wait to get it straight to my veins. So she is an open bottle. Okay. So don't just be crazy. No. Okay. Okay. Wow. It's like we're drip dropping. It's old school. (laughs) I haven't seen anything like this in a long time, and you haven't smelled it. I can't wait. Meow, meow, meow. Oh, yeah. Really? Ooh. It just smells better right from this. The sweet forward was so strong. Yeah, and this is a little sweet, but it is not Ariana Grande sweet. It automatically just smells, you smell expensive. It smells like an expensive lady. But you were very specific last time that it was an old lady. It was like an old lady version. <laughs> you were like, this is very old. No, this is like your mom, like your friend's rich mom. You know what I mean? Where you're like, damn, Carolyn always smells so fucking good. Yes. Yes. This is for sure the back note. This is absolutely the back yeah. note of it's the like cloud. It's like sensual yes. and rich. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad. Yes. That I would say this is absolutely the back note of the cloud. And this is day after smell. Yeah. This is what lingers behind and you're getting it front. Note. And I have heard from people that use oh. it that it's it lasts all day and night. You can smell the tobacco, the vanilla, mm-hmm. but it's not sweet. It's warm. It's not. Oh, Yeah. How exciting yeah. we got there. Okay. The queen. So now, now listen, if we really like it that much, here's what we do. We're both going to stop paying 
daycare prices in August. Seriously. Maybe we splurge mm-hmm. because a bottle of Baccarat is less than what we pay for a month in daycare. In daycare. I'm like, maybe my second splurge. I think my first splurge, honest to God, I'm thinking about because my kid obviously goes to a public school and they always ask for money. I always donate money. But I was thinking about maybe just donating a month's a month. worth of daycare. Yeah. They're like, here you go. Here's the $700 I would have spent this month. Yep. But my kid gets to go to kindergarten here. So just take it. Right. And then maybe after that, we buy a bottle of Baccarat. Because a bottle of perfume will last me over a year. Oh, yeah. And especially this, you don't have to reapply. No. You're not going to wear it every day. Mm-mm. Yay. We did it, guys. We finally came full circle. It's yeah. very nice. Beautiful. I'll, I'll keep this tiny little heroin sized bottle for special occasions. Mm-hmm. For real, though. Date nights. Mm-hmm. And you also found the fire. Side yeah, that one by Replica is great. And I saw, I think a bottle of it's very reasonable. Mm-hmm. It's like 150 or something. And it's funny because I do have two little tiny bottles set aside for you at home that I thought to bring but didn't just because of how hectic everything was. One is called Beach. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who that's by. And it literally smells like the ocean. Uh-huh. So I'm like, immediately, I'm like, this would be great for you. So yep. I put that aside for you. And one is by Hermes. Oh. And it's called Twilly. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's a women's perfume, but it's very masculine. That's what I like, So babe. I put that aside for you as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful. Thank Yay! you. Our perfume journey has came to a end for now. And on that, I'll spark up my other side notes of fire and... <laughs> This really has a, a bonfire theme. <laughs> a lovely note of green. Like herb. I said, the cloud mixed with the after smoke in my mm-hmm. bedroom is literally delicious. Yeah. Like even Violet was like, Ooh. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> all right. So, real quick, we'll do our drinking game rules. If you guys are drinking or smoking anything at all, please take a drink or a puff anytime we are not in the pod shed. We cheers. We mention we mention a badass big sister. We mention the TV show Monk, or we spill something. Is that it? Was that six of them? I oh, or in past know. episodes. Yeah, I think that's know. it. That sounds right. And this week we are doing because it's kind of our Valentine's Day episode, even though this is nowhere near Valentine's Day anymore because we skip weeks now. But you know, it's close enough. It was the week of. It was it's just the nineteenth. It's yeah. a, we're recording on the nineteenth, so we're dropping on the. 21st yeah. so for valentine's or on day two two tuesday two 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 delicious a, yeah on a tuesday well, this week we are doing the twisted love story of <coughs> sid, sid vicious and nancy, and nancy <coughs> spongen I, I never learned the last name so yeah who i told you just now that i wouldn't have even known about had it not been for Courtney and Travis. <laughs> and I, of course, knew all about them. I uh, I also listened to different music than you do, too. For sure. But, um, no, I knew about Sid Vicious and the Sex Pistols and Johnny Rotten and all of that. And I have seen the movie a long time ago. Um, I can't wait to hear you describe the movie, though, because I have a feeling... I don't, one, remember all of it, because I think the last time I saw it for sure was at least high school. Yeah. And I'm sure I was high as fuck. Yeah. Um, And then also, now my brain's all muddled with the true story. Right. And I can't separate. I can't remember what's what. Yeah. So I can't wait for you to recap the movie for me. Yeah. I'm excited. Should we wait and do a cheers? Yep. Let me pour up. A whole can fits in there, baby. 
I love that you got us wine glasses that hold an entire can of seltzer with some ice perfectly. We ain't no fucking amateurs. Okay. No. Cheers. With our great smelling wrists. I know. And what's crazy is I didn't put very much on and you can smell it. You can smell it. And I put on a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Living our best lives over here, people. All right. You ready? Hell yeah. I got everything. I'm going to talk. I'm going to go into this a little bit because this is very interesting. So cool. I got everything from a great article from Rolling Stone magazine, Jessica Wakeman. Very informative. Great. I also went to sexpistolsofficial.com to hey. like double check dates and names. And is it an updated website? It is. Okay, cool. And then I actually thought that that website by Rolling Stone was going to be good enough because it was so good it was what i remembered from the movie it's what i remembered from their story and i was like yeah this is about right sure but then i listened to an episode of a podcast called muses Mm -hmm. um i haven't listened to any other episodes so i'm assuming it's about what what you can't talk about muses and not have me immediately laugh at the tiktok of julia oh (laughs) Uncut? I'm I'm the muse. Uncut Jones. No, that's not it. It's, it's Uncut Jones. Yes, yeah, I. It's Uncut Jones. Uncut, uncut Jones. Well, I was Josh Softy's muse for Uncut, uncut Jones. Girl, I've been saying you it. say fucking muse, know, and that's literally all I can. Think that's of. so funny. I've been saying Uncut Jones for a week straight, <laughs> and nobody else gets it. Like Uncut Jones. Jones. That's so ridiculous. And then I had this TikTok of this broad who I'm assuming is from L.A. Try to like justify. She's like, I didn't even notice that she was talking like that because I'm from California. And that's how, talk but like she's that. like, but that's just how California girls talk. No, and I was bitch. like, no, it's literally not how we talk. And then she even Julia came out and was like, isn't try- she from New York? She's not even from L.A. I think so. And she was trying to like make an excuse for it like i was so high during that interview and i'm like bitch i'm high all the time and i'm not just like uncut jaws <laughs> like fucking learn how to be high better then <laughs> anywho <laughs> great podcast it's either muse or muses mm-hmm. but they really gave me a different side to the story mm-hmm. and it really gave me some perspective and I was really excited about that. And it actually made me change the 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 whole tone of the story. I hope you do, because I am not happy with the tone that the movie leaves. <laughs> well, I mean, either way, it's not great. Oh, but of course. I, no. uh, yeah. And they they read it was a little celebrity memoir book club ish mm-hmm. because they read Nancy's mom's book. Oh, which really gave you like a human side to Nancy that's yeah. been stripped from like the media and the mainstream you story. Get nothing in the movie about her. Which is yeah. what I remember. Yeah. So I was excited for that episode. Great podcast. They're also like big time music nerds. So they just nerd out and like teach you stuff about cool. the people they're talking about, the scene, the song. Which I'm sure is beyond fascinating. So because cool. the times, yeah. incredible. Incredible. Nancy Spungen, Spungen, Spungen. I want to say Spungen. Is born in Philly, February twenty seventh, nineteen fifty eight. She is a Pisces. She is born to an upper middle class family. Parents are married. She has siblings. She is born into a great situation. She does not come from a bad childhood or a bad, like a broken home. She mm-hmm. comes from about the best type of setup you can be born into 
That's a new one for us. Right. She is born into chaos, though. They have an emergency delivery because the her umbilical cord is wrapped around her neck. She's choking Mm -hmm. to death. They got to get her out. And her mom remembers almost fondly that she like came out kicking and screaming like she came out fighter fighting. Yeah. Now she grows up. She's very smart. She's almost like genius level IQ. Mm hmm. She's always in advanced grades. She's very intelligent, but she's a very, very troubled child. <clears throat> Her mom does not shy away from that. Her mom lets you know all about the violent temper tantrums and screaming fits. From an early age. The bullying yeah. from day one. Yeah. The bullying of her siblings and the abuse on her parents and the attacking of her mom. And she's just absolutely uncontrollable. Yeah. So they start taking her to doctors. The doctors, of course, start prescribing her basically opioids. At this point, yeah. Opiates. Mm -hmm. To, like, try to keep her calm. And they'll kind of work, but not really. Because this is in the 50s, 60s? Yeah, Yeah. 60s, basically. And so they'll take her back to the doctor, and then he'll just, like, up the ante. Yeah. And so she's also now on fairly heavy drugs from a very early age. Mm Mm-hmm. At 11, she's kicked out of regular school for all of her problems. Her parents luckily have the money to send her to like a boarding school in Connecticut that deals with like troubled kids. And she flourishes there. She actually does really good. She graduates early, graduates at 16. The problem is, is that she's now like self-medicating with hard drugs, especially heroin. Wow. When she was a child, the only thing that could like calm her down and like make her focus is music. So she has a she loves rock and roll, always has. And like the harder the better. Got it. Her dad was really supportive of this. They'd listen to rock records together and they'd play music and the whole nine yards. Yeah. So we have a very smart, very dysfunctional girl yeah. who's hooked on drugs, is pretty uncontrollable. And has this love of music. Wow. She goes to the University of Colorado, drops out fairly quickly mm-hmm. because she starts going to like New York mm-hmm. and finds the punk scene, which yeah. is flourishing at this point. But it's also perfect for her because yeah. it's hard, hard rock with violence and fuck you. And, and she just falls in love mm-hmm. with it. So it's she everything. so at 17, she drops out of university moves to New York to become part of this punk rock scene. Her parents, of course, aren't thrilled, but we're talking her parents are still very supportive. They just want Nancy to be happy. Okay, great. And preferably healthy. Yeah. Now, there's like mixed feelings about Nancy on the scene because she's definitely a groupie, Mm -hmm. but usually groupies are these like pretty, skinny, fashionable, quiet girls they're not really there for the music they're just there to fuck the rock stars and they're a little on the kind of meek side okay and here comes ballsy fuck you nancy brunette little chubby not like quiet and demure and like classically pretty okay she's there to like for the punk scene yeah she's there for the violence the chaos the drugs yeah all of it she doesn't give a fuck about people. She gets into fights. She gets into arguments. Yeah. The whole nine yards. 
Beyond that, though, underneath all of that, she does still desperately want to be accepted into yep. these people. And she really wants to be accepted onto the scene. Let's be real. We all do. It's mm-hmm. all we're looking for is our place in this fucking world. She also now is in severe heroin addiction. Of course. She is strung this out. This is crazy young to be so deep. You know what is crazy? And I actually didn't write it in my notes, so I'm glad you said something. I watched interviews with Sid and Nancy, and the thing that stood out the most was how fucking young they are. They're very young yeah. in these interviews. And to it's, be so hard in the paint already. Yeah. Like 16 is like when you're like branching out and experimenting and still like curious about things it was like she knew exactly what she fucking wanted and she was going so hard for it yeah it's pretty wild they're both very very young and and to be like as infamous as they are yeah and they you kind of forget how young they we're talking about kids yeah we're talking, i mean she's a child right now she's 17 for real though no because when you're talking about dropping out and it's like she's only that age it's mm-hmm. bizarre In 1977, she follows a band called the Heartbreakers to London, where she meets John Simon Ritchie of the Sex Pistols, a.k.a. Sid Vicious. Okay. Sid is born May 10th, 1957 in London. This makes him a Taurus. Taurus and Pisces, I looked it up for you guys, are like Zodiac soulmates. (gasps) They're made for each other. They're twin flames. They become connected in BFFs within the first five minutes of meeting each other. Yeah. Oh, incredible. So Sid has the opposite childhood of Nancy. His dad's not around. His mom ends up becoming a, a heroin addict. They have a volatile relationship. Obviously, she's not a good mom. She kicks Sid out at 16. At this point, he's already shooting speed and he becomes friends with a guy named John Lydon. And they're up to like, they even become roommates and they're up to like normal shithead teenager stuff. Nothing too crazy. Nothing like that bad. But you know, just little shits. Let's see until we get to my movie. (laughs) (laughs) They're just up to little like dickhead stuff. Sure. Mm -hmm. Beyond this, Sid is a known for being a very shy sweet kid he is very he reminds me of edward scissorhands i don't think he's as sweet as edward okay okay but that's like the vibe that i got no he is very very shy and sweet he has really no interest in girls even mm-hmm. he's kind of just really into drugs and partying and eventually the punk scene him and yeah. john get into it pretty hard they love that punk rock lifestyle. In 1972, a man named Malcolm McLaren is in New York, and he's so heavily influenced by the New York City punk scene that he flies back to London and creates a band called the, the Sex, Sex Pistols. Pistols. He makes up these ba- the band of these guys that are hanging around mm-hmm. on the scene, including Sid's BFF John, who he makes the lead vocalist, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten. I was going to say Johnny Rocket. <laughs> that a burger joint? That is a burger place. <laughs> the look and the attitude of the band comes first. Yeah. The music kind of comes second. Yeah. It very much reminds me of like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Hey, or like, they're he, the first boy band. Yeah. They were a real like manufactured 
punk rock yeah, like boy band to appeal to those girls mm-hmm. and even though they they did bite their looks from other people who i'm sure music nerds know and i don't so yeah. the names didn't register in my head they are what you think of when you think of if you think of like air quote punk rockers okay. you're thinking of the sex pistols in their okay. style right you're thinking of the leather jackets and the spiked collars yeah. and the crazy hair and the the ripped up clothes and jeans so and safety me, pins. My punk knowledge begins and ends with SLC punk. That's yeah. it. That is my entire encyclopedia <laughs> of punk knowledge. So yeah. what is that? Is that be like SLC punk, the movie? No, but like is, so are they, like they're, the they're copying this scene like, or cause that's no, well that's not a real story though. Right. But I'm just like, they're in Utah. To- trying to compare like trying yeah to no bring slc two worlds punk together. so because that takes place in the 90s right so they would be listening to the sex pistols there we go that's they, where i'm trying to they would yeah. be big fans of the sex pistols yeah. and copying their style yeah so the sex pistols kind of take off on the scene sid follows them everywhere because his bestie's the lead singer and he's about that life and he's actually do like pulling more kind of crazy stunts and volatile stunts than even the members of the band are, he quickly gets a name for himself as basically being like the fifth unofficial member of the band. And he's like a bit of a wild man. In 76, they finally hit the mainstream with their biggest hit, which is Anarchy in the UK. Shortly after this, their bassist leaves and he is kind of known to be the one real musician in the band he the thing they were relying on yeah he leaves because the band's so dysfunctional clearly so they just roll sid vicious right in to take his spot even though sid doesn't know how to play the bass (laughs) but that doesn't matter because sid looks the part he lives the part he'll play the part yep yeah and with him in the band and all of his antics and his and their fuck you attitude they really take off yeah and become very popular in 1977, Sid and Nancy meet in London. They have instant can- chemistry, like I said. Zodiac twin flames. Twin flames. They, I just wish I could describe, I'm sure people listening to this know exactly what they look like, but their style is just so iconic. It is. Sid's grungy, ripped up. Did I sleep under a bridge with my heroin needle? Possibly look. And then Nancy, because she was heavily influenced by like glam rock. Yeah. And so she does take punk elements, but yeah. then you see her in a lot of like leopards and furs, the big hair, I'll the say makeup. The pictures that you were texting me for us to decide our look of the week, she's much more glamorous. Whereas in the movie, she's much more punk rock. Yes. No, she, I did feel like she had a glamorous side because she's really influenced by like David Bowie and that whole genre. It does not come across very glamorous in the movie. In That's, the pictures, I would say, I see it. I see the glam in yeah. the pictures that you sent me. In the movie, there's nothing glamorous. Right. It's disgusting. <laughs> Dang. Mm-hmm. Nancy does introduce him to two things. She definitely introduces him to heroin. Mm-hmm. She possibly introduces him to sex. And because mm-hmm. she claims and Johnny Rotten claims that Sid was a virgin when they met because that's how not into girls he is. I could see that. He's started taking drugs so young and I'm sure those drugs might mess with your dick. I don't know how those hard mm-hmm. drugs work, but it just never he was never out like chasing tail. I could see you know? that. So he meets this woman, this well, this girl 
instant chemistry. Yeah. And they're on the same page about everything. Mm-hmm. And so he finally like falls in love with somebody. And of course. Come on. Someone gives you heroin and pussy. How yeah. do you not fucking fall in love? Instantly obsessed with her. Obviously. And they're teenagers. They're fucking out of their minds. Their hormones are off the charts. The people on the scene still don't like Nancy very much. The members of the Sex Pistols fucking hate Nancy. They do not like her. Like we talked about, she's too combative, too smart, too annoying. Yeah. The whole nine yards. She's a lot. But this sets up this weird narrative that I noticed from reading that Rolling Stone article to then listening to that podcast episode which is, and this narrative is repeated over and over again because they're very much like Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love, mm-hmm. very much like Yoko Ono and John Lennon, uh-huh. all these famous couples of rock music, which is the woman is the manipulative, man-eating bitch who right. comes in and ruins the life of the sweet, gentle male musician coming from the male's point of view and ruins everything ruins right. the band ruins his life gets him killed everyone or in the band being a man well and also that's definitely the the if you read the articles in the media that's how they paint nancy because mm-hmm. they the only people they can interview about nancy are the people on the scene back then and they all don't like her yeah. so they're gonna vilify her and just run her name through the mm-hmm. ringer Meanwhile, let's not forget this, oh, sweet, quiet, shy, Sid Vicious has been shooting up speed since he was a teenager and doing dumb, violent bullshit to get attention and to be like part of the scene. Mm -hmm. So it's not to just it's not like one innocent party. There's no angels here. They're both fucked up. Yeah. And I just don't like that narrative. It really makes me mad. It's such a double standard. It won't give anything away from what I'm going to say later. So I'll say in the movie it's like in the beginning, you could tell that she has his best interest at heart. Like her wanting to be around him all the time is only to support him and to like lift him up. Yeah. Whereas the band saw that as her just being like fucking annoying. Right? Yeah. Or like controlling. Yeah. And so I do. I, I can very easily see how that narrative would get twisted. So we get to the point where the band does not want Nancy on their 78 tour. They're going on a big tour. Mm-hmm. They even plan on kidnapping her to get her out of there. Shut up. They were going to kidnap her and throw her in the trunk of a car and drive her to the airport and force her onto a plane. And wouldn't you know it, that didn't fucking work on Nancy. Surprise! <laughs> so Surprise. they basically just put down a, put their foot down and say, then she's banned from the tour. Which, as you can imagine, didn't go pisses well. Sid the fuck off. So she's not on tour with them and he is going off. He is higher than shit, volatile. Every bad thing you can think of a person doing out of control on drugs and money and fame. This kid is doing it. He is wiling the The fuck fuck out. out. And it gets to a point where they finally play their final show in. No idea. San Francisco. What? Yeah. No clue. They play their final show as the Six Sex Pistols in San Francisco and break up as soon as that tour is over. Dang. That's not in the movie. <laughs> Sex Pistols tour manager Nils Stevenson said, quote, Sid disliked everything except heroin and Nancy. Nancy. August 1978, they both moved to New York. They move into the Chelsea Hotel. 
they get to visit Nancy's family for the first time. They meet mm-hmm. Sid and they are actually very impressed with Sid. He's very polite and well-spoken. I'm they're, shocked. They're pretty happy for Nancy. It seems like she's living her dream. Obviously, they're a little fucked up, but they seem together and very much in love. Okay. I didn't write this down. I wish I had the official quote, but her mom says as they're driving them to the airport that one of the last things Nancy said to her before they got out of the car was she just kind of looked off and said, I'm not going to live till I'm 21. She's like, I won't make it till 21. And then she had, she said something about or like, I'm going to die before I'm 21. She said she doesn't want to live to be old and ugly mm-hmm. and that she'll go out in like a blaze of glory or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's when the last thing she said. Yep. Nancy is now Sid's manager. The problem is. Where are they? In New York. Okay. And the problem is all of his gigs are fucking disasters. Yeah. Because he's high as a kite. Out of his mind. And he's not a real musician. Right. He was never good to begin (laughs) with. So he doesn't have his band. So it's just him doing whatever it is he's doing. Yeah. This is the time when you can also start um, watching more interviews with them. Just on like YouTube, you can see them. I was watching them uh, earlier today. And it is very apparent, even if they're high or whatever. First of all, it's very apparent that they love each other. Yeah. They're very sweet about each other. Yeah. And it's very apparent that Nancy's kind of the brains of the situation. Yeah. Even high and whatever, she comes across as intelligent. For sure. Um, That's they, why she's the manager. Right. Yeah. And... You know, she talks all the time about how Sid wouldn't actually like hurt a fly. He would never like hurt her. And she always has like intelligent answers to what they're asking, even though they're a little out of it and like wacky. Yeah. Out of the two, she does most of the talking. Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw an interview where they asked uh, them how they felt about this new. They were on a panel of like, I guess, people from the scene and asked them how they felt about like this feminist movement, this new feminist movement. And both Sid and Nancy, Nancy answered first, but they both jumped on it. And we're like, we fucking love it. And Nancy's like, I'm all about it. She's like, that's the way it should be. And Sid fully agreed. He's like, fuck yeah, I'm a feminist too. And the interviewer's like, oh, you're a feminist because you uh, you you beat women the same that you beat men. Like you beat them equally. And Sid didn't answer. And Nancy goes, Sid would never beat me. She's like, Sid would never hurt me. Sid would never hurt any woman. Interesting. And... I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but that was her answer for the interviewer. But they both were firmly on the feminist side. And Nancy said that she actually believed in that movement more than any political movement that was going on. Very interesting. So I wanted to shout out them. They were originally feminists. And now that you say that, so I think you had said earlier, like their actual agent manager or whatever was like Niles or somebody, but they're... In the movie, there's a girl behind the scenes that's actually running everything. And in the movie, her name's Phoebe. I couldn't find a way to, like, tie her into the story. But while I was watching the movie, I was like, the fact that this girl, she's an African-American, no less, was calling the shots. Was like, no, this is what the band's going to do. This is what's best for the band. And because of that, like, Nancy had a little bit more respect for what she had to say. Right. And I don't talk about her much in my notes because she's not like a big part to the story. But now just you bringing up the whole feminist movement and everything. I do think it was very interesting. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. October 11th. There's lots of people moving in and out of their room at the Chelsea. Everyone's doing drugs, partying, whatever. 
Um, most people there saw Sid take a copious amount of opi these tablets of turinol. I think it's like an opiate. I'm not sure, sure. but he took like 30 of them, which should be enough to. (laughs) That's like a whole bottle. Yeah. To like, if not kill him, obviously just knock him out for the night well into the morning. Yeah. 2.30 a.m., Nancy asks their friend and drug dealer for some painkillers, which he does deliver. And then everything goes kind of quiet until around 7.30 a.m. when guests start to hear, like, female moaning coming from that room. At 10 a.m., Sid finally calls down to the front desk um, screaming for help because Nancy, he finds Nancy dead on the bathroom floor. She's been stabbed, one stab wound to the stomach. She bled to death underneath the sink in the bathroom. Holy fuck. She's 20 years old. Yeah. So she predicted it. She didn't Mm -hmm. make it to 21. The police show up. They find Sid wandering around the halls in just kind of like an agitated state. Of course, they arrest him. He claims he was asleep at the time and he woke up and found her that way. People who know Sid and Nancy are 100% on Sid's side. Said Sid would never kill Nancy. Yeah. He fucking Obsessed worshipped with, her. Yeah. Um, they, I actually saw, I watched an interview, like a live later that night, you know, back in the day interview with a man named Neon Leon, who Ooh. had been there that night partying. <clears throat> and... He said that he didn't believe Sid would be the one to do it, that Sid, quote, loved her more than anything. He loved her more than even music. So Malcolm McLaren, who was the the guy who started the Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. right? The, mm-hmm. the guy who put it all together. He says, quote, she was his first and only love. She was his first and only love of his life. I am positive of Sid's innocence. What's the evidence say? Well, that's the thing. They never really investigated the murder. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, two junkies, one of them's dead. We'll just arrest the other one. And that's just the way it goes. They never really fully investigated it. Something that the people from their inner circle is are still upset about. Yeah, um, It's technically unsolved to this day. Here are right. my running theories. So some of the running theories is that Sid did it, which yeah. I'm not convinced of. Um there's no like real history of him being violent with Nancy. There's no history of him. Yeah, he's like volatile and an a- and he can be an asshole. But from everything it sounds like, I don't think that's his true nature. Okay. I feel like his true nature is a sweet person who's like putting on for to be part of the scene. Sure. He doesn't feel like he's comes by that naturally. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Because remember... All I have is this movie. I know. And the movie spins it. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So theory number one, Sid did it. Theory number two, it's a either a drug dealer, a drug deal and or robbery gone wrong. Right. Anything could have happened. These people are fucking whacked out of their minds. People yeah. are walking in and out nonstop. Right. So there's a theory that there was a robbery. Of course. So Sid's passed out. Yeah. So there's somebody who's like, oh, I could probably just take whatever. Easy. You know, our girl Nancy's not going to fucking put up with that shit. Right. She'll fight your ass. And that maybe that's how she got stabbed. And I had read something about somebody had shown up with at a bar, like however many days later, claiming that they did it. And they had like, like money with blood on it to prove it. And he's like, oh, that's her fucking blood. But who knows if there's any truth behind that? Right. They're all fucking junkies. Yeah. 
but that's so that's the second theory. The third theory, and this is one that I kind of get behind the most, is that they had a suicide pact. Yeah. It would make sense why Sid took so many pills that night. Um, people are wondering, especially because it's one stab wound, if it was a self-inflicted stab wound. She had already stated on multiple occasions that she wasn't planning on living to 21. And it just kind of makes sense with their intense love that they had yeah. that they would have like a suicide pact. Okay. A few days after being arrested, he Sid is released on a $25,000 bail. He tries suicide, doesn't work. He gets into a fight and breaks a bottle over some guy's head or does something with a bottle. He's arrested again. He makes bail again. Now he's at a party in New York where his mom brings some heroin to the party. Thanks, mom. Hey. February 2nd, 1979. He overdoses on the heroin that his mom brought to the party. Thanks, mom. He dies at 21. And to this day, because he died before they could, like, convict him. We'll never. It is an unsolved yeah, we'll never know. murder. Mm-hmm. His mom claims that he left a note. And part of that note said, we had a death pact and I had to keep my half of the bargain Please bury me next to my baby. That is the story of Sid and Nancy. And no, they were not buried together. I believe Nancy's family, because of course, Sid's mom was like, yeah, bury him together. And Nancy's family was like, no, fuck you. Sorry. So who else we've talked about on the podcast were like love Bonnie and Clyde. And they weren't buried together. No, they weren't. And Bonnie's family denied Uh it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So, anyways, there you go, Sid and Nancy. Oh, you make them way cuter. I know. The that's why that Muse podcast, and really, I guess it's credit to Nancy's mom's book. And again, I want to make it clear: Nancy's mom, obviously, is coming from a mom's perspective, and there's going to be some empathy there. But she doesn't sugarcoat Nancy. She doesn't put Nancy in like a good light, but she at least like shows you the human side of Nancy, which so many people forgot existed. That this like teenage girl is what you're dealing with here for sure all right i got my ice i refilled my drink and i got my notes let's do this 1986 a year after we're born <laughs> yep Mm-hmm. sid and nancy oh it came out in 86 mm-hmm I thought it came out in the 90s. 1986. Whoa. Already my mind is blown. I thought it came out in like 95. 1986. Hilarious. We are hearing the sounds of police radios. When we're first introduced to the main man, Sid, played by Gary Oldman. Can you think of who Gary Oldman is? Yes, I know exactly who Gary Oldman is. Lay it on me. Uh, he is. God damn it. Can I. What is his. What's the detective from Batman? He's. He's. He's the main detective from Batman. That is he's like the police sergeant. Not what I'm thinking of whatsoever. No, from the. Sorry, from the Dark Knight trilogy, from the Christopher Nolan trilogy. He's serious black. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I right then? Is he the Dark Knight guy? I don't think so. I don't. It no, didn't pop I, up? I'm like so excited to have a Harry Potter and you hit me with Batman. <laughs> no, he's Sirius Black. And then for me, he's Zorg from Fifth Element. He's the yeah. guy with the headpiece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hand me my phone so I can look up. 
It's right next to you. And then for a podcast episode. Oh, yes, Queen. He also played Mason Berger and Hannibal. And that's the guy that Lecter convinces to like peel off and eat his own face. Yeah. Yeah. So that was episode 33, bitches. Let's get a drink. Right. So Sirius, Zorg and Mason. Hey. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you'd been on a monk episode, I lost my shit. I tried so hard. Oh, my God. With these fucking British people. There was not much to work with. Yes, I was right. He plays Detective Gordon in the Dark Knight trilogy. Love it. So at least I'm not absolutely out of my mind. No. All right. No, we are right on all accounts. It's just weird because when you look up Gary Oldman, it doesn't have. Girl, tell me Sid looks anything like fucking any of these people. Like Zorg doesn't look like Sirius No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. You would think Harry Potter would be up there as one of his more famous roles. And yeah. he has like movies that are even heard of listed. Harry Potter's not even on there. Crazy. Sorry, guys. Gary Oldman. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Fifth <laughs> Element. Hannibal. And what a G. the Dark Knight trilogy. And Dark Knight. Okay. Eventually, we see an officer asking who called 911, to which Sid gives no response. He's in shock. He's just shooketh in the Mm -hmm. moment. He's just run down. We see police removing a body while officers lead Sid out of a hotel through crowds of press taking pictures and they place him in a car and they take him to the station where finally he's asked, who's the girl? We flash to a younger looking. I have no idea. There's literally no sense of time in this movie. <laughs> I have no idea how old he is to begin with or anything. Um, but he is younger looking, very drunk with his friend Johnny. Day drinking, walking through the streets of London. And they're yelling out for this chick, Linda. They're having a great fucking time. They're spray painting they're kicking in car windows. Yeah. They're throwing bricks at shit. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like shithead stuff. General mischief. Yeah. When they're they not throw, like killing people. When they throw a giant rock through the window of an upstairs apartment where we are introduced to two very fucking high women. One Linda and her friend Nancy. Nancy being played by Chloe Webb who I and you as well will know better as Monica Gallagher from Shameless. What a queen. What a queen. Yes. Both of the women are more than happy to welcome the men in, where they continue to spray paint the walls, (laughs) fucking like pee on the furniture, like just trash the place. They help themselves to a plate of baked beans. Very British. Like out of a can. (laughs) This is when we, the viewers who may or may not already know, are introduced to the fact that these two men are none other than Sid Vicious, Johnny Rotten, of said Sex Pistols, with Nancy being like, oh my god, I totally love the Sex Pistols, and she like starts to hit on Johnny thinking that that's Sid. Oh, interesting. And he's like, I'm fucking Johnny, you wanker. Yeah. Again, feels like a bit of an insult because I bet you the real Nancy would have not made that mistake. Again, right. Right off the bat. 
we've got a totally different vibe off of Nancy. Real quick, I just want to say, because I know she does play a, a minor role in this, but Courtney Love died to play Nancy. She showed up. I mean, she showed up and showed out to play Nancy, and I'm she was sure. really upset that she didn't get to play Nancy. She plays the Nancy knockoff, so. I, I mean, and she plays Nancy in real life. Mm-hmm. The two ladies invite themselves to whatever gig the guys have that night. While everyone else at this bar is fucking punking out, raging, going crazy while they're performing, we see Nancy sitting way back in the distance, being more of like the kind of groupie you described, like the laid back, quiet girl. Yeah. Just like smoking her cigarette, making eyes at Sid. She doesn't look too much part of the scene. Again, off character. I don't know... Who, what, when, where, why, after the show, we end up at an apartment, a hotel. I don't fucking know. A drug den, basically. <laughs> like, there's, all we see is immediately cut from show to a bunch of people laying on the ground, whether they're sleeping, shooting up, fucking, like, it's just a dark-ass room with a bunch of people on the floor. Wow. Sounds like my nightmare. Johnny and Sid are like side by side trying to sleep one off, but like giggling because they're still high and like getting people like, shh, shh. (laughs) (laughs) When Nancy decides to like come and slide in between the two and Johnny just gets up to leave and Sid completely dismisses her like some fucking groupie, like whatever, like they take the blankets away from her she's like fighting them (laughs) for the fucking blanket again because there's no sense of time i'm assuming it's the next day right but we're at some pub somewhere and uh sid and johnny are berating this poor fucking guy who i think's in their band (laughs) (laughs) that's funny Like, I think it's the drummer of their band or something because they're throwing darts at this guy, this poor fucking guy. And he's like, you guys, like, you can get my fucking eye. Like, how am I going to (laughs) play? Like, stop fucking throwing darts at me. That's funny. And while all this is going on, Sid catches out of the corner of his eye that Nancy is getting a drink thrown in her face after confronting a guy claiming that he owes her money for drugs. Mm Mm-hmm. So she storms off, she's outside, and for whatever reason, Sid decides to follow her. Mm -hmm. So we're outside the pub, and Nancy is pounding her fists on the fucking brick wall. Just Mm. bloody, knuckled, crying, furious, fuming. Right. And Sid's like, what's up? (laughs) And she's like, tells him the whole story, he's stole my money he owes me this that and he's like looks like that hurts she's like yeah it fucking hurts and he's like okay and so he bashes his forehead beautiful onto the brick wall and he's like yeah see like we're good right what yeah oh my god this is their little interaction and so he hands her all the money he has in his pockets and he's like so you're gonna go get me drugs (laughs) <laughs> and she's like sure I'll go get you drugs yeah. he's like and you'll meet me back here and yeah I'll meet you back here she takes off of course she doesn't meet him back there he ends up waiting all night at this pub she never shows up 
Johnny's talking mad shit to him like, well, yeah, you fucking loser. Like, what did you think? This groupie junkie was just going to come back. Yeah. She ends up hooking up with some other rando guy. They're in his car with another girl. They stop to get drugs. They make her leave to go get the drugs. They're in the car. The cops roll up. So they throw her shit out of the car into the middle of the street where Johnny and Sid stumble across it. And they're going through her stuff when she comes down. And so now she's got whatever drugs on her. And he's like, hey, you were supposed to get me drugs. And she's like, hey, I've got drugs. (laughs) So this is where their love story begins. Yeah, it's perfect. And the movie does um, kind of imply that this is where Sid does heroin for the first time because we do see her tying him off, injecting the needle for him. He ends up throwing up the majority of the night in the bathroom and she's like taking care of him. Oh. So it's very much something that he was not accustomed to. Again, so she introduced him to heroin, but he... He had already been doing... He knows how to shoot up, because that's how he did speed. Okay, so there you go. So literally, she just swapped substances on him, but he knew how to tie off and shoot up and, and all this of that. Is, yeah, and that's not what the movie made it imply. So yeah, there you go. And um, eventually, once he does start to enjoy the drugs, they end up fucking for the rest of the night. All right, that's fun. Uh-huh. She goes to kind of sneak out in the morning unseen. But as soon as she tries to like leave the bed, he immediately clutches onto her and like holds her tightly, like pulling her in. Mm -hmm. And it's like at this moment, not only is he completely addicted to heroin, he's completely addicted to her. Yep. Like she will not not be a part of his life from here on out. Okay. It's very clear. Um. So this is at the point where she's hanging around all the time. But like I also said, she's like supportive, right? She's like bringing pizza to the band. She's like, you know, how's practice going? Right. But they're also giving her a super hard time. Like, well, had he been here on time? Had you guys not fucked up again and been late and this and that, like making it her problem? And she's like, well, he's fucking here now. Make the best of it. Right. Fucking do something about it. Like, and so they do try to put a lot of the blame on her. Make her like mom and nag. We see the two from here on just like fucking everywhere. Like rabbits. They're in the studio, on a boat, bathroom floors, just rolling around in it. They, They seem very dirty. Like, I can't tell you the last time they took a shower. If they're not doing drugs and fucking and rocking out punk style, it's like you could smell them. Yeah. Watching very smelly. The movie. And at this point, the agent of the band is figuring out what's going on. He's seeing the track marks on Sid. And so he's not letting Sid control his own money. Mm-hmm. So desperate for cash, they do try to call Nancy's mom. From a phone booth. Like, hey, I'm at 
this wonderful guy and we're gonna get married yeah this is true we're hoping that you'll send us money and she doesn't and so we see nancy for the first time rage the fuck well i guess not for the first time because she hit the wall but like fuck you i hope you fucking die you stupid fucking cunt like breaks glass on the phone booth Dang. I know for a fact that she called and said that they were that they got married and to send like money as a wedding present. Mm -hmm. I cannot remember if her mom did it or not. Yeah. Well, in the movie, she did not. They end up at someone's apartment and they end up getting into a fight about money. Sid does end up slapping Nancy and this causes her to storm out. He storms out after her. They're screaming up and down the streets as he's dressed in nothing but a leather jacket and an animal print thong. Perfect. That's so funny. (laughs) Johnny goes in search for Sid. Eventually finds him and Nancy intertwined on like Linda's apartment floor. Right, mm-hmm. just like fetal position, sleeping it off. The band and the agent inform Sid there will be no woman or no women when they go on tour. So it's like, obviously, they're hinting. Right. Neither Nancy or Sid takes it well. Nancy more so like, there'd be no fucking sex pistols without Sid. You're lucky to have us, blah, blah, blah. But after what you've told me, it sounds like they would have been just fine. (laughs) Uh, So Nancy gets left behind their last night together. They get into a big fight because for once Sid decides he'd rather sleep than stay up fucking and taking all their drugs and she's not having it. Once on the road in America, Sid obviously starts to miss this. He misses Nancy. More so, he misses her vagina and her hookup to heroin. Yeah. That's kind of the way that the movie made it seem. Calls her at Linda's apartment where we see that she is doing BDSM for money. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. No note of that anywhere. They apologize and they say, I love you for the first time. And after his next show like right afterwards and in his hotel room we see him with a razor blade carved nancy into his chest yeah mm-hmm. and i believe i don't know if he carved nancy he carved something when he was like whiling out on that tour and came out like he did it backstage and so okay. he came out on bleeding. stage bleeding with probably said nancy said something yeah there you go his obsession with the drugs and the alcohol and Nancy eventually causes the band to collapse on a flight back to London. As they made it seem, he overdoses on pills and whiskey ending up in the hospital. And while in the hospital, Nancy of course is the only one to show up to take care of him. They then go to Paris. Yeah, they go to Paris. Okay. Which is something she always wanted to do. They bump into a friend. The friend suggests you should go solo in America. Mm-hmm. Like, punk's huge. You could totally pull this off. You're Sid Vicious, yeah. right? He, Sid, goes on to have this dream where he shoots Nancy. And when he wakes up, that's the night that they make their suicide pact. Okay. Like, I can't live without you. This dream scared the shit out of me. Like, this is it. 
like do or die. Mm-hmm. We're going out together. And after this is when we see Nancy introducing Sid to her family. And it is nothing like what you described. <laughs> it is fucking nothing. Her grandparents are there. Her mom, her dad, her younger siblings, whatever. They're a fucking mess. They're a disaster. They're so high. Sid is at the table. No shirt. Pants undone. Smoking. Drinking. And like the grandpa's like, so what are your intentions with Nancy? (laughs) And he's like, well, Nancy's going to be my manager. And as soon as we have enough money, we're going to basically go to Paris and live out our days and just go out in a blaze of glory. Like you said, a blaze of glory was for sure like their big thing. The family literally cannot get them out fast enough. Come up with this big excuse. (laughs) Like we have a trip to go on in the morning. And the younger brother is like, we don't have a fucking trip. And they're like, shh. And like throw enough cash at them just to get them to fucking leave. Like here's enough money to get you a cab and a hotel downtown. Oh man. Yeah. And this is how they end up at the hotel Chelsea. Once they do this, Nancy does manage to get Sid three gigs. He of course promised he would stay sober for and does not. Yeah. Does all their drugs. He's nervous. Mm-hmm. He barely gets through the performances. When the band calls him out, you know, the band, air quotes. Was this like his backup band or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the band calls him out for not knowing the words to the song. <laughs> again, Nancy's like, who the fuck are you? You wouldn't be here without us. You're lucky Sid's in the band, blah, blah, blah. And in this band is Gretchen, the Nancy wannabe, played by 22-year-old Courtney Love. Yeah, this was pre-Kurt Cobain, Court Courtney Love. Cor- correct. Four years yeah. before she was in Hole and met Kurt Cobain. It is a very interesting self-fulfilling Isn't prophecy. It? it is wild that Isn't she it? made her own Sid and Nancy happen. Four years. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. She goes downhill from here. <laughs> The drug use goes crazy at this point. They have enough income to support their habit. They are numb all the time. They stop having sex. They struggle to tell reality from their drug-induced hallucinations. So, for instance, one day at one of the bars they're performing at, Nancy gets a kitten. Mm. But she wakes up in the middle of the night telling Sid that she had a dream that they got a dog and the dog got sick and died. And it's like, no, bitch, you actually got a cat who's very much barely alive, (laughs) like clinging on for life, eating random scraps out of your bed right now, like crawling all over you. And you don't even realize it's there. That's crazy. Because you're so fucking high. So even Sid's addict friends are like suggesting at this point that he clean up and like his dependency is so much more on Nancy than it is on like anything else. They're like really trying to pin it on her. They're dependent on one one another. Um, It's to the point now where like 
on their way to go get drugs, they're like holding one another up, mm-hmm. like struggling to walk. God, aren't you so glad you've never been addicted to hard I drugs? I can't. I couldn't. Oh, <laughs> it gives me so much anxiety. I watch intervention and I just go, oh, no, thank like I said, God. At, like at this point, you can smell them. Yeah. Like the filth of these apartments living in and out of suitcases of unwashed clothes. Yeah. <clears throat> They're shooting and snorting and smoking and just, oh. And like addiction only ends in two ways. You either die or you get clean. And I always think about that. Like, I'm so happy I was never really addicted to anything because I watch people have to go through to get clean. And like, that is so much work. It's so hard to do. I'm so lazy. I would hate every minute of it. So one day in their room at the Hotel Chelsea, Nancy starts a fire with one of her cigarettes. And the two just sit there staring into the flames. Sid even lights another cigarette (laughs) and throws the match into the fire. Amazing. They're saved by the fire department and they're not even fucking kicked out of the hotel. No, that happened in real life. They set fire to a mattress. I don't know if they stood by and watched it burn. They're just given another But they for sure set fire to a mattress. I had assumed that it was like falling asleep you know junkies always fall asleep with cigarettes i pictured them like falling asleep with cigarettes in their hands sure that would have made more sense yeah same thing and they Mm -hmm. got moved to a different room because i mean what are you gonna do you can kick out a rock star i guess this was enough of a wake-up call though because after a while sid does decide and tells nancy he wants to get clean amazing not to nancy no she's not (laughs) having it quote unquote you promised me we would go out together in a blaze of glory. And basically, he's just like, well, I guess I changed my mind. Okay. Nancy, of course, spirals into a rage, as we've seen her do before. And the two get into a physical fight, which in the movie wouldn't be so surprising. But based on what you've said... Is shocking. Yeah, but then you hear reports, other reports saying that they did have a violent relationship. I just told you what Nancy said in an interview. There is a good chance that Nancy was lying through her fucking teeth. And it and it's not even so much that like he's actually trying to hit her. It's more like they're a just tussle. fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a wrestle. And I could see that because I'm sure Nancy got handsy. Mm-hmm. So during their little wrestling match or whatnot. Sid does eventually end up stabbing, whether he intended to or not, Nancy with like a pocket knife. Okay. And it is once in the side, but it's like during a tussle, right? Like they're rolling around on the floor. Yeah. Uh, Neither one of them acknowledges what happens. Uh Uh-huh. And afterwards, they just go to sleep. Okay. Because I'm like... I mean, you still have to take the knife out, no. pull the blade out. No, and like, we never saw that happen. All right. We're talking like a Swiss army knife. Type. I know. Yeah. But you have to like unsheath it. Mm, you nope. have to take the, you have to nope. like. We never saw any of that happen. They're like rolling around on the floor and then they get into bed and they just like curl up together where she bleeds out all night. And then we see her wake up in the middle of the night. He's asleep beside her 
the blood covered mattress and sheets and pillows and everything and she's clutching her side and she goes to like go to the bathroom and she doesn't make it and she oh, just wow. collapses on the floor okay and then the next morning when their drug dealer comes to like drop off a delivery Sid is sitting at the edge of the blood covered bed clutching the pocket knife uh-huh and this is where we do the fro- like the full circle so i guess it was the drug dealer that ended up calling the police because he it. couldn't get in and mm-hmm. he saw Sid and he saw the blood. So he calls the police and that's why the police are like, who called 911? Who's the girl? Mm-hmm. And at this point, Sid's not answering. He's just like so fucking in Wild. shock over the whole thing. Okay. In jail, Sid is obviously forced to get clean. Right? Like he's in a cell. So he's in the fetal position on the ground, shaking, spitting, vomiting, looks like fucking death. Yeah. Terrifying. He does get bailed out. I don't know by who or why. The first time he gets bailed out, the big one, the 200, the 25,000 or whatever is his record label. Okay. I think it's Virgin Records. That would make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And on his way out, the officer looks at him like, dude, this is your second chance. Right. Right? Like, you've just been through it. Like, you can do this. So we see him, and he looks hopeful, and he goes and he gets pizza. Mm. And there are these cute little boys on, like, a fucking railroad or whatever with their boom box listening to disco just fucking living their best life and they're dancing yeah and Sid's like they're just fucking living it man so he goes <laughs> and he starts dancing oh wow and they're having a dance party and they're just fucking living it and it's like even earlier in the movie someone had brought up disco and it's like oh pfft we're punk fuck disco right so to see him like dancing to disco and just having a good time Mm -hmm. like genuine like like happiness or whatever and then we see a cab pull up and who's in the back of the cab who gretchen nancy nancy it's a vision of nancy oh it's a vision of nancy. like wait what? well i mean we can assume i mean it's fuck it's nancy in a white dress mm-hmm. like a wedding gown almost like madonna mm-hmm. and like a virgin or whatever and they embrace and we see the two drive off into the sunset and that's how they end the fucking movie but i was gonna say they must tell you something we, we get the note that um it tells us a different story of their love ending or whatever. Instead, Sid goes on to die of his heroin overdose on February 2nd, yeah. 1979. Lovely. So, yeah. All right, Sid and Nance. R.I.P. We should have dropped this on February 2nd. But it's a February. It is a February. Like, it's for sure. It's a great Valentine's Day episode. It's such a love story. Like I said, I never would have known about it had it not been for Travis and Courtney's love story. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. I I wasn't. Nothing uh, says Nancy Spoogin like 
Courtney Kardashian. Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. And even Travis Barker, they're both like sober and vegan. For Nothing's more out of control punk real. rock. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Nothing's more suicide packed love mm-hmm. than Travis Barker and Courtney Kardashian. But yeah, so I get it. I get the the love story or whatever behind it, and I really want to believe the 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 version that you gave. But I just knowing junkie lifestyle, it's like I I also see the realities of the movie and just yeah, how and heartbreaking. They were definitely out of control and hot messes. They yeah. were definitely junkies. I just wanted to bring to light the fact that it takes two junkies to tango. And whether or not he actually would or could kill her. Like you said, it could have just been the suicide pact and we'll never know. Yeah. It's, it's, the robbery makes a lot of sense. It does. Like I said, the fucking first night, just random people all over the floor whether they're shooting up or fucking or sleeping or whatever, like they were in and out of so many different people's apartments. Yeah. How do you even know where you are? And not only do I, I honestly don't think he was capable of doing that to her, but also we have multiple witnesses talking about how many pills he took. No, 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 how many pills he took. He, he shouldn't physically be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. He took like a, a suicidal amount of pills. And that's why I wonder if they m- mixed that up with, like, did he actually overdose on pills coming on the plane, like, in the movie? Oh, I'm sure he did. Oh, okay. I'm sure there's overdoses. Because that was there's... the only one time where we saw him, like, just take a handful of pills. No, no, no. I'm sure that them. that's not, you know, I'm sure that that's standard fare. I'm all, there's also, like, multiple arrests for, you know, again, not crazy things, not like, sexual assault yeah. or anything like that but you know pretty volatile like scumbaggy things and so yeah no they've been arrested yeah. they are junkies they're you know they're not great people but i just it takes two to tango i don't think it's all nancy yeah and i just don't it just doesn't feel like he'd have it in him to do it to her yeah i guess if he did i could maybe if it's like some sort of drug-induced hallucination mm-hmm like he thinks she's someone else or he thinks he's in danger. And that's how the movie made it seem because like in the in the dream, right? He's having it's like a like a music video. He's singing Frank Sinatra's My Way, which is something that happens in real life. But punk. Yeah. No, that happens in real life. And but he shoots her and sees the blood. And she's Mm -hmm. in the white dress. And that's when he wakes up from the dream. And he's like, I can't be without you. And they make the pact or whatever. So it's like just the the split between like reality versus. Yeah, that's a good um, Easter egg they put in there because and it might have been when he was in Paris. I can't remember. But at some point and he is high as fuck and he doesn't really want to do it. Um. Maybe he wanted to do a cover of a different song and they didn't like it and they like compromised and he covered. You can Sinatra. YouTube it. You can yeah. YouTube it. He covers Frank Sinatra's My Way. And it's great Punk in version. the movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So how many knives do you give it? I'm going to give it a three. Okay. That's the highest rating we've had in a long time. I'm going to give it a three. It's It's got some bones in there. It's We'll never know. So it's really hard to tell 
That's right. The two people who do know are dead. Yeah. You know? Even the people on the scene don't know. Uh-huh. Nobody knows. Yeah. And I think that they did a good job of showing, like, the harsh realities of, like, the drugs and the effects yeah. on the people. Yep. So. All yeah. right. A three. Not bad. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not bad at all. What's mm-hmm. our look of the week? <laughs> so you are dynamic duo yeah, back again. You're gonna be the Sid to my Nancy. I'm gonna try. I might mm-hmm. have to sit on some pillows, <laughs> or you're gonna have to like really scrunch down for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what did you t- you said that I looked like? A little bride of Chucky, yeah. A bride of Chucky meets Nancy, which I totally get because I did. I went for like sickly heroiny. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I went for there's a famous picture of the two of them. Yep. So I guess I'm copying him, but mm-hmm. we'll see. No, I tried to go for like smudged makeup and just like sunken in cheekbones and dead eyes. And and again, you don't see a lot of pictures of Nancy like that. Like the real life Nancy, she has extreme makeup, mm-hmm. but it's very like glam rock makeup. It's not like. Which is what I'm saying. The Nancy in the movie versus the Nancy in, in the pictures. Yeah. Very so weird, different. Huh? Very different Nancys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. Sid and Nancy. Anything else you want to talk about? We did it, guys. <laughs> we did another one. Um, uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I really liked this episode. Yeah. I really... It was creative. It was definitely... D- I was not expecting this. Yeah. Mm-mm. And I enjoyed the walk down memory lane because it is something that I used to really be into. So that was really fun. Um, we'll go take our pictures. You can see those on THC podcast on Instagram. I do want to say one thing. I want to show you the back of my shirt because I've got like a, a lace shirt on. Mm-hmm. It's a shirt that I got at an Aerosmith concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With me. Yeah. That's so exciting. There it is. You still have it. And this really ties it in together. You could probably flip that shirt around to take another picture because Aerosmith is one of the bands that Nancy claimed she fucked. Wow. How? How? What do you mean how? Like, how did she? She claimed that when she was like on the scene heavy in New York before Mm -hmm. she went to London. Yeah. She claims that she fucked everybody. Wow. All the bands. Because you have to remember how long Aerosmith's been out. She was like 16 though. They literally have songs about fucking I minors. I know, I know. It's so But people crazy. forget Aerosmith has been out since like the early 70s. Wow, that's so funny. So yeah, Aerosmith is one of the bands that she claims that she hooked up with. Yeah. So. We don't know if that's true or not. No. She could just be exaggerating or talking out of her neck or it could be true. She right. could. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Again, the only person who knows for sure. And then we decided, we, I mean, we didn't care to actually look up the episode, but I wore this choker necklace, I'm pretty sure, in our girl in the box episode. Okay. So there you go, motherfuckers. Pretty for one, exciting. One last drink before we close you out tonight. Yeah. And also to explain the shirt, because we kind of just got really excited. We oh. went to an Aerosmith concert. I don't even know when we went. A million High years school. ago. High school. Yeah. We went because my- We were probably 16. <laughs> probably. Yeah. My mom. We didn't drive. No, no, no. Because my mom, we went with my mom. My mom is the biggest Aerosmith fan. Yeah. She's been to probably at least 10 Aerosmith concerts. To be fair, I think Aerosmith was the first CD I ever bought. That's so funny. Yeah. The first CD 
I bought with my own money was Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Yep. But um, I used to buy cassettes too. No, I, I for had... sure got the one with the udders that's yeah. pierced. That was my first CD that I ever bought with my own money. My first few cassettes I ever bought was TLC's Crazy Sexy mm-hmm. Cool. I had an LL Cool J cassette. I had a Coolio cassette. I had Janet Jackson. I had Mariah Carey. Yeah. And I think a share is greatest hits maybe. But I might have stolen that one from right. my mom. Yeah. And then that's the first CD I got was um, Smashing Pumpkins quickly followed by um, no doubt, Tragic Kingdom, Garbage. Of course. Bush's first album. Surprised you didn't have a hole in there. And I did end up getting holes. I know. And I liked, I even liked Hole, had like kind of a glam rock resurgence in like 98 yes. when they did like Malibu. Yep. And I really liked that. Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins was the executive producer of that album. And I really liked that album. Mm-hmm. But I do like doll parts. I like the old Hole music. It's great. So there you go. Yeah. Walk down memory. Down. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old. We're so old. We've been friends for too fucking long. Wow. All right. Time Cut to wrap us it off, up. you guys. Cut All us right. off. We'll Love see you, you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Meow. Bye.